This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome back to an episode of the Cooler Jets podcast. We host Ben Blessington and Michael Nania. Michael, for the first time in over seven months, we have actual football to discuss. So let's waste no time and just hop right into it. Your initial reaction to the Jets opening preseason game of 2021, where they won 12 to seven against the New York Giants. A good performance all around. Zach Wilson's debut seems like a pretty positive uh, debut for Robert Sala's Jets. Yeah, there was a lot positive to take out of this game. I feel like a lot of the things that we hope to see actually did end up happening. Um, and and it, it's preseason. You take everything with a grain of salt, but I think it is more applicable than what we have been reacting to the training camp practices and scrimmages. It definitely means more than that. So, you know, you find that middle ground to where it doesn't, you know, it's not a, a perfect indication of what's going to happen in the future, but it, it is worth something. And you know, it's definitely better to see positive than negative. And there were, quite a few positives in this game yeah I mean like you said you have to take everything with a grain of salt and most of the giant starters weren't playing but I think it's one of those things where if they do well you can say okay let's downplay it a little bit but if they do poorly you can there's definitely room to criticize it I mean obviously you know we would be on this podcast the next day you know saying patient and you know just preseason whatever but the fact that they didn't play poorly is a good thing. So that is what you can kind of take away from it. They took care of business. They looked a hell of a lot more organized and a better team than the Giants, even if they're playing their backups. But the Jets' backups look better than the Giants' backups. So they took care of business, like you said, week one of the preseason. doesn't mean much in the grand scheme of things, but still a good sign. Um, I think, obviously, Zach Wilson is, is what we should open it up with because it was his debut that was the biggest storyline about the game. All five rookie quarterbacks had their debuts this weekend. For the most part, all five of them looks pretty good. But I think you and I, I mean, you don't want to be biased here, but I would say Zach Wilson had among the better, um, among one of the better performances out of the five. What stood out to you in his, uh, his debut as a member of the New York Jets? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is just the consistency of the, de- the decision-making and the comfort in the offense. That You and I both rewatched all of his plays from that game and it's a small sample it's not something to overreact to it's literally two drives and uh 10 dropbacks i believe so you know that's a quarter of a game but he looked really comfortable and i think that's what's most important sure he didn't have some of the highlight real plays that some of the other quarterbacks have that the other quarterbacks had but he also didn't really have any bad mistakes whereas all of the other quarterbacks other than probably mac jones made their share of pretty big mistakes and Wilson only had three incompletions in this game and there was a miscommunication. There was Tyler Croft 
totally stumbling on a route, completely missing an opportunity to catch the ball. And uh, Corey Davis kind of getting jammed on a route. None of them were inaccurate or bad decisions. I, and, I, and the, one, other than that, the one in the red zone to Corey Davis, what Michael and I, when we watched it said, I mean, I, we'll talk about this in a second about the, maybe the leash he was playing on, but there was room to maybe scramble and get the first down or dump it off to Ty Johnson. That would be the one play I would yeah. say you could maybe have some criticism. It's very light criticism. The other two, like you said, are don't deserve any. Yeah. And just the fact that we can point out his worst play as, you know, maybe he should, should have scrambled and dumped it off instead of trying a, you know, a slant route that was you know incomplete, but it wasn't anything egregious. He was consistent in control. His accuracy was great. His ball placement on the intermediate and short throws he was trying was mostly perfect for the most part. It was a you know small number of throws, so it's not necessarily necessarily that hard to be perfect on six, seven throws. But with what he had, he did about as good as he definitely could. And the decision making is the most important part. There was other than that one play, he was making the right reads within what you could see in the broadcast view. He was throwing it to the right guy making the right decision and he was doing it quickly and decisively. So uh, the jets did a nice job kind of setting the table for him nicely with good pass protection, getting the ball out fairly quickly. Um, and he did exactly what he needed to do. He looked very comfortable out there. Right. I, I think, yeah, obviously he looked in command. The thing that you can say about him and Mac Jones and look, uh, there was a certain Twitter account. I won't say who, who got a lot of criticism for saying that Mac Jones oozes the confidence of a 10 year NFL veteran. And yeah, it's ridiculous to say after your first for after one preseason game. But I think the thing that you can say is in their first preseason game, both Mac Jones and Zach Wilson looked the calmest out of all the rookie quarterbacks. Sam Darnold is a, a going to his fourth year. And there was never really a time where I saw him relaxed in the pocket. He always looked like he was just, there was a million things going on in his head. Zach Wilson looked in command. There were plenty of times where you just saw him look to the safeties, identified the coverage, good post-snap recognition, knew what was going to be open and delivered it with, with a lot of zip and pop. I mean, you can really see it on the, on the, on the television. Um, I haven't had the, the privilege of seeing it in person, but the ball just explodes out of his hand. He really does have that Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes type of release, which is, not everything, but it is, you know, an amazing skill um, to have. And it does make a difference. Uh, I would say the, the biggest thing that stood out to me, and I tweeted this out, and this was most notable in the third and 14 play where the Jets, by the way, if that's Adam Gase last year, that's a halfback drop the middle. We're going to punt the ball and play field position. So I like that the Jets actually ran a passing concept there and a, one that went for 13 yards, even if it wasn't a little bit of a, wasn't a dump off, but it was a, it was a shorter pass. What I love about that play and one of the things that we talked about going into this game based off the green and white scrimmage was there were a few plays in the green and white scrimmage where if you were Michael and I were watching the reps and some pressure came, Wilson did exactly what Sam Darnold's done a little bit sometimes where he tries to throw off his back foot and utilize all that arm talent, which is great. But if you can't play from the pocket, none of that matters. You know, Patrick Mahomes best moments have all come from these, not all, but most of them have come from out of the pocket, making something out of nothing, crazy arm angle off any platform, whatever. But if he wasn't able to be an efficient quarterback in the pocket, he would be extremely one-dimensional and defenses right. would figure him out. But he, he's a good quarterback from the pocket. So that was one of the things that he didn't face much of a rush in uh, at, at BYU. I mean, he had a lot of time back there. And there were a few times where he bailed on some, some open pockets. In the NFL, you can't do that. And on that third and 14, there's a bit of a pass rush. Both tackles do a good job of pushing the edge addressers, you know, vertically, but Zach Wilson has to step up there. He has to step up into a murky pocket and take a hit, but he does just that. I mean, there are so many times over the last decade and I even tweeted out, there was a clip of Trevor Lawrence doing the same thing where 
they either keep you know, continuously just drifting backwards and throwing off their back foot. Or we've seen Darnold do this a lot where he takes his eyes down, you know, off the field and tries to, you know, navigate the pocket. Zach Wilson navigated the pocket without looking. He just effortlessly just slid up the pocket. His feet were set and delivered a, you know, nice ball and give the Jets a chance on fourth and one. Uh, I thought that was the most impressive part to me because we knew he had the zip. You know, we know he's an accurate guy. We know he's a smart guy, but that was one of the things that, you know, it's look again, it's one rep in a preseason game, but if that's something that he can continue out through throughout the season, I have no doubt in my mind, Zach, Zach Wilson's going to be successful. If he can operate in the pocket under pressure, um, he's going to have a damn good rookie season. I think the other thing that was fantastic to watch and get into preseason game, but on, in some ways that should make it more exciting was the jets had a competent offense. I mean, they looked like they were running a 21st century offense, which they haven't. And, you know, a long time, I should say. Um, they were moving the ball well, and and when it gets more exotic in the regular season, because this is their vanilla package, the Jets are going to run more motion, more screens, more trick. You know, they're going to they're going to sauce it up a little bit. They're going to get Elijah Vera Tucker and Elijah Moore back, so the offenses supposedly should look better. Obviously, they won't be going up against you know Giants backups, but I thought the concepts they ran and the the passing concepts they built off of the run were ex- extremely encouraging. They did a lot of. Uh, did a lot of things that were taking easy yards and, and, you know, setting up Zach Wilson for success. What did you think about Michael Flores first time calling plays and, and a long time since the beginning of his career, what did you think of, of Michael Flores first performance? Well, like you said, I think the biggest thing is that it's probably going to be expanded upon even more once we get to the real thing, but we definitely got, uh, got to see some glimpses of what this offense is going to look like. We saw, we saw some of the orbiting motion from the wide receivers. Um, we saw a very run heavy approach which you know may or may not be because of this being Zach Wilson's debut could be they may run this heavy once the regular season arrives but either way it feels like they're going to be a fairly above average run heavy team um because that's what the basis of this passing game is building that respect off of the run game so you can suck the linebackers in on those play action fakes and create space on rollouts bootlegs um even just from the pocket which we saw a lot of in this game so um, it was definitely impressive. Like you said, it's modern. It looks like what you watch when you flip on any other NFL game, play action, motion, just a lot of creativity and trying to find ways to create natural advantages for the players rather than what we've seen with these recent Jets offenses, particularly particularly Adam Gase, we are, where there's not a lot of matchup advantage creation. He's right. mostly just kind of playing straight up and saying, go beat your man, which if you have the 2015, 24 or 2014, 2013 Broncos, that can work. But if you have a quarterback and Sam Darnold who's trying to develop, you know, great receivers, great O-line, you've got to be able to help them out. And that's most teams in the league. That's just the league today. You got to create advantages. So much of the production and the big plays in this league are not to take anything away from the players, but schemed up just because the coaches do a great job of putting them in a position to succeed. And the Jets haven't had coaches that do that. Now it seems like they do. Um, but I do want to talk about that one play with Wilson that you're mentioning. I think that's definitely the biggest play for him in this game because it wasn't the throw itself obviously wasn't great. It was a wide. It, it was as good as you would want to be. It just wasn't an amazing throw because Croft is wide open. But it's just the fact that Wilson was willing to step up into the pressure, throw through the pressure and not, you know, awkwardly try to avoid it and throw it sidearm or or whatever it's great that he can do those things but like you said with Patrick Mahomes those are the highlight plays that make him 
um, elevate him from good to special because he can make those plays in positions where other quarterbacks have to throw it away, take a sack. That's where those tools come into play, but you don't want to always have to do that. You want to be able to step up into the pocket and make throws while you take a hit because that's how you throw accurately under pressure. You have to be able to, you can throw the ball the same way as you normally would. You just have to be willing to take a hit to do that. And that's what Sam Darnold really struggled with. And I think one of the biggest reasons he didn't pan out with the Jets, one of the biggest things he has to fix if he's going to turn his career around is he has to be willing to hang in the pocket and just take hits and throw normally because he would fade away. He would throw, you know, try to throw from awkward angles. He tried to escape the pocket and he would miss a lot of plays that way. But Wilson, it's just literally one throw, but it's definitely probably the biggest yeah. question with him coming out of BYU with those big pockets against not great teams that he had a lot of space. So to see him in this game, Feeney gets absolutely wrecked on this play. One of many plays in which he did. Yeah. Um, one as well. Yeah. And that one as well. And, you know, he's forced to step up into Dan Feeney's the pressure allowed by him. And he delivers a throw with perfect routine mechanics and gives Tyler Croft a ball and stride that he nearly takes upfield to convert on third and 14. So it, it was great to see that. That was definitely his most impressive play just from a poise standpoint in the pocket. Yeah. And I, I mentioned to you, uh, this to you before the podcast, but how many, if you look at Sam Darnold's highlights, not to keep kicking, you know, beating a dead horse here, but they play in week one. So I think we can, we can rag on Sam Darnold throughout the season, mostly week one, we'll let him go throughout the season. And then once the Jets use that pick, it's, it's over. We'll stop talking about Sam Darnold, but how many of Sam Darnold's highlights can you name that are from the pocket? I, I, there's not many. I mean, there's like you mentioned, there's the, I think he had the two touchdowns against the Broncos there. You mentioned, I think he had one throw to, to Barrios this year, his first touchdown to Robbie Anderson, maybe, but I mean, you think of all his best plays, the, the one that keeps getting posted against the Niners to Braxton Barrios, the one to, to Barrios against the Colts, the, the one in Baltimore against Jameson to, to Jameson Crowder, it all comes outside of the pocket, him kind of right. you know, rolling out and finding something, playing that backyard football. That backyard football is great and all, but if you can't, like you said, if you can't operate from the pocket, it's, it's worthless in, in a sense. You know, it's, maybe it's not worthless, but you're never going to take that next step. And yeah, I think, that, that's the majority of the game. I think that's the biggest thing, you know, because you right. get those opportunities now and then, but most of the game is even today is still pocket passing. So you got to be able to do it. And, and it comes down to not just as that, you know, it's funny because Darnold was always tied to having that innate feel, but it comes down to also trusting your eyes and that post-snap processing of understanding. I mean, part of the reason Zach Wilson looked in command and Darnold didn't is you could tell Darnold looked visibly confused at times about what the defense was doing. If you are in, again, it's, it's preseason. I don't I have to keep making these caveats. So, you know, we don't read, you know, 10 comments about stop overreacting. But if you read a defense and you understand what to do, like I think the I think it was a third and six to Corey Davis is a good, good example. I don't know necessarily about the stepping up, but just good recognition because I saw I was looking at the uh, the NFL page of that post on YouTube. They posted uh, all of his throws, and I was reading some of the comments, and somebody said, um, "Oh, he stares down the receiver there. You can't do that in the regular season, something like that." And like, yeah, if you look at it 
Wilson pretty much doesn't take his eyes off Davis once he locks onto him. But if you go back and you really watch the play, you can see that he looks at the safeties and he realizes it's man coverage. And because it's man coverage, he knows that Davis is going to have leverage here. He's just got to hit him on this timing route. You know, so he looks at him the entire play, but he understands what's happening. He trusts his eyes. That goes hand in hand with with being a good pocket passer. Is you have to have you have to be your football IQ has to be fairly high. Your processing has to be high because if you trust it, you're willing to step in the pocket and take the hit because you know that something is going to get open. If you know what you're looking at is going to happen. Darnold never trusted himself, and that's why he always felt the need to bail and buy time, and maybe you can make some um, play outside of of the designed um, play calling. I think the Jets did a really nice job. And it's a good sign. Again, it's one more time. It's, it's preseason. I think they did a good job of doing exactly what Robert Sala said they were going to do when, when they pick Zach Wilson of we're going to lift you, not the other way around. Zach Wilson, I don't know if he was instructed before the game or if it was just in the play calling, was did not play hero ball. I mean, it was, like you said, a very run-heavy approach. They built passing plays off of it. But maybe before the game, they really emphasized staying in the pocket and making those plays. But it was a lot of quick reads, you know, route combos that that worked together. They did a really nice job of just making the game plan as easy as possible for him. And, you know, it's it's yet to be determined if Michael Floor is anything close to his brother or Kyle Shanahan. But Kyle Shanahan, like you were saying, if you compare him to Adam Gase, is a master at exploiting matchups and running stuff in the first quarter and then building a, you know, a concept that builds right off of that, but attacks the weakness of that play in the third quarter. I mean, he's just, Oh, the way he calls a game is like 40 chess and Adam Gase was playing, you know, checkers. I was trying to connect Four. that was the game I was trying to think of. I mean, they're just playing two completely different sports is what it looked like to the naked eye. So if the jets have anything close to that, Zach Wilson is, is in great hands. Um, the other thing, and before we move on from Zach Wilson, I mean, I guess it's, it's not necessarily negative because it's, you know, maybe we shouldn't have the expectations for Zach Wilson to be sky high or something, but the media coverage has been absolutely brutal uh, about this game and about Zach Wilson in general, because he's had two bad practices and the narrative is now that Zach Wilson has sucked at training camp. And then, you know, of course there's the, the unnamed Twitter account. The same one that says Mac Jones oozes the confidence of a 10-year vet, which is a bit ridiculous and, and hyperbolic, but at the same time, I, I got the, the what he was saying. Zach Wilson had that same effect, and it's a quiet debut for him. And it's just like, then you look at Trevor Lawrence, who had a much worse game than Zach Wilson, even if he threw for, I think, like eight more yards or something like that. If you go back and watch all five of the rookie performances, I think Wilson, look, he only played two series, but if you factor in everything, I think Wilson have among the better ones, like you said. Lance, I think, is going to be good, but he's still raw. He had some great plays and some bad plays. Mac Jones, I thought, was very good. Although Wilson had a a higher yards per attempt than him, a much higher yard per attempt than him, but Mac Jones just fits that Patriots offense so perfectly. I mean, I I think, you know, I wasn't as high on him, but in New England, I think he's just going to be – I think he'll be like a Kirk Cousins type of quarterback. Never amazing, but that's just pretty much all Bill needs. Um, Justin Fields, you know, had some, like Lance, some ups and downs, but some some great ups. But the thing about him that ties back to what we're saying, and I guess I'll, I'll hand you the baton from here, is that all of Justin Fields' highlights, they came like Sam Darnold when the play broke down and, and making something out of nothing, which is great. But you didn't see Fields sit in the pocket, stick to, to the script, and, you know, be an NFL quarterback that much. Again, it's, I'm high on Justin Fields. Keep in mind, I'm not a Justin Fields basher. I'm just saying that's, that's what is impressive to me about this Wilson performance. It's not flashy. Hell, okay. You want to call it quiet, but to me, it was impressive because it answered some of the concerns I have about him, because I know that it's going to get ramped up. He's going to go, you know, against, uh, you know, four quarters of a starting defense 
and the pass rush is going to be there. And then he can start to make some of the Mahomes hero ball type of plays. But if he can do this stuff, he's in good hands. Yeah, I agree with you. And, and I'm also a Justin Fields fan. And, and he did a lot of great stuff in that game, showed a lot of talent. But um, I think that's a, a good distinction that you make, that the main thing you want to see from these quarterbacks is can they run an offense and be on schedule? Because I think, especially for first-round quarterbacks, the majority of them, you know they have special physical ability. You know the raw talent that they have that gives them that ceiling to where they can be a star quarterback and plays like the ones Fields made, um, like the ones that Lance made, show you that potential. But at the end of the day, if you're going to stick for a long time, if you're going to be consistent throughout four quarters, throughout 17 games, almost said 16, then you're going to have to be able to run the offense on schedule. You're going to have to be able to throw passes into the flat accurately 90% of the time. You're going to have to be able to hit 15 yard outs, 70% of the time. Plus you're going to have to be able to throw the ball away when you need to throw the ball. away. just simple, easy stuff that you just have to be able to do very consistently and fluidly. And that's what Wilson showed. And I think Mac Jones showed as well. I think those two guys had the best debuts by far. Whereas fields and Lance, I think both showed some awesome flashes, but they both had, uh, they both had a fumble and they both had some dropped interceptions that were bad. And Lawrence, on the other hand, I think he made some nice throws and his decision-making wasn't bad, but you and I both saw the same thing. His He probably reacted worse to the pressure than any of these five quarterbacks. He had some uh, bad reactions to the pressure, um, to the pressure just with his footwork kind of fading back and making throws um, and just kind of being a little jittery and in- inaccurate against the pressure. So um, I think Wilson Mac Jones definitely had the best debuts and it's one game could be the opposite order who played well next week. You don't know, but it is definitely, I think Wilson checked the right boxes right. in this first game. The truth of the matter is that this quarterback class is ridiculous and yeah, it's, it's possible. A good it's possible that they can all be good. The thing is that statistically, you know, probably two of these guys are going to be bust. So everybody tries to, to figure out who it's going to be. And they try to bring somebody down. I thought all five of them had solid debuts. Lawrence, like you said, I think was to me, maybe the, well, I don't, I don't want to even say least impressive because I thought he did some nice things. Yeah. His footwork, you know, needs some work and he's not playing behind Clemson's offensive line. And, you know, this is a guy who's been told he's been the second coming of Jesus Christ since he was like 12 years old. So I wouldn't be surprising to me if maybe he struggles, but I think they all, all five of them at this point in time at bright futures, we'll see other careers develop. I don't love urban Meyer in Jacksonville, but you know, there's one play where, where they, they gave him six seconds in the pocket. And it's like, if Jacksonville can do that on a consistent basis, I mean, not consistent, but like a few times a game, I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be all right. He also went up against a very good Browns defense, although it's preseason. But, um, uh, you know, the thing with, with Wilson is I think this next week is going to be huge for him. One, he gets to practice alongside and against Aaron Rodgers. He gets to, he just gets the, a different perspective. I think that because it's a practice and it's not a game setting where there's theoretically tape on, on the offense and Zach Wilson, because the Jets and Packers don't play each other, I think you're going to see a lot more um, regular season comp. Uh, uh, help me out here. Why am I completely blanking on the team, uh, on the term? Concepts? Concepts, thank you. I was about to say complexes. <laughs> it's I'm tired. Um, I think you're going to see a lot more regular season concepts in the practices. In the game, it might go back to more vanilla preseason stuff. But look, Vera Tucker and Moore and Quinn Williams and the defense are all supposed to come back this next week. So it's a big week for the jets. And yeah, he, he will be going up against more starters against a better defense. Um, so it's, it's a test for him, but the first mission of Zach Wilson's career um, I, he passed is what, what I would say. 
Um, let's move on from him because there's a ton to talk about. I'm sure he'll come up again and we'll spend another 10 minutes talking about him. Uh, in fact, I know that will happen. Um, but let's move on to some of the other things that we noticed from this game. I think first and foremost, and it was Joe Douglas's mission statement when he first got here, which is that, you know, you build this thing inside out and this game is one of the trenches, which is such a cliche, but very few programs really follow that. I mean, that's part of the reason everybody talks about Belichick and Brady. This is why the Patriots are great. That's obviously a huge part of it, but they've had consistently great offensive lines um, throughout the last two decades and defensive lines as well, for the most part. But the Jets in a preseason game dominated the trenches. I mean, the Giants just I mean, the Giants lost every battle in the trenches all night for the most part. I mean, the, between the offensive line outside of Dan Feeney and the defensive line, especially, I mean, that all gas, no break um, mantra is, is for real. And they didn't even have arguably their best player in Quentin Williams pressure constantly all night. And, you know, all three teams, first stringers, second stringers, and third uh, stringers. And the offensive line did a great job in the run game, I felt like. did a, It seems like the zone blocking scheme really fits the players that they brought in. And I thought pass protection looked good as well. It gave clean pockets to to all three quarterbacks. Michael, what did you think about the Jets uh, winning in uh, in some trench warfare? Yeah, it was definitely impressive. And I, I think the biggest thing with this is that it, it you're playing the Giants backups, and it's preseason at small sample size. So The Giants starting offensive line, though, played. Yeah, their starting offensive line did though play, but um, but still, I think it's but their off, starting offensive line is also very bad. So that's something that's also important. Jets were the Basically second. Is, Jets were one of the worst teams in all football. So we'll take any teams that were better in. I think it's just at the end of, at the end of the day, you'd like to have seen them take care of business in this game, and, and if right. they didn't, it would kind of be problematic. So it's less so an amazing performance, more like okay, good, like they took care of business, like yeah. you want them to. But Check at the, the same box. time, yeah, you just want to check the box like it, it's not necessarily impressive that Mackay Becton dominates whoever he was blocking in this game but um if if he didn't then it would, it would be a problem so uh it's, it's just taking care of business but they were really dominant I think in both sides of the ball in the trenches the first team offensive line was great leading the run game to consistent chunk gains that's the biggest thing I think they didn't have a great YPC because they didn't have any huge runs but they were consistently getting three, four, seven, five. Just that's how you can run a uh, run heavy offense when you're consistent like that. Um, that's what's necessary. And they were doing that. And then the pass protection was great. Becton and Moses both allowed no pressures. Wilson wasn't hit or sacked a single time. Um, so the first team offensive line was great. Other than Dan Feeney, who was very, very bad, had a big hand in a lot of big uh, the fourth down stop, he allowed that one. He allowed a couple of pressures on Wilson. Uh, so, yeah, he's uh, – I, I hesitate to even call him a good backup. Even though he has starting experience, It's he's such a liability. But, you know, that's why he's a backup. But other than that, offensive line was really good. McGovern had some great blocks. Javon Wesco had some really good ones. Other than the fourth down play. Yeah, he, he, had, he did blow that. He had an ugly whiff on that one. Fourth down plays just aren't his thing. If you remember back to the Cardinals game last year. Um, <laughs> That's right. But, but it was mostly good. And I think that there was a lot of positive takeaway from the O-line. Then the D-line, obviously, missing Quinn and Williams and was, was still dominant. Sheldon Rankins got it started with a dominant hit on the first drive of the game. He made their center look completely foolish. Um, John Franklin Myers came off the edge, deflected a pass. Two sacks for Huff. Jonathan Marshall had two half sacks. Uh, so wait, can we just, sacks. can we, let's just get the elephant 
uh, in the room here. I, I, yeah. you predicted that Jonathan Marshall was going to get a sack, and I, I stupidly laughed in your face because for some <laughs> reason I just missed the memo that he's no longer in the pup list. He, he, I guess he was in that same wave when they took May off the pup list in the first day of um, training camp. But I, for, I'd heard nothing about Jonathan Marshall, and I just assumed he wasn't practicing. So I, I stopped you and said, oh, I, I don't think he's playing. I was wrong about that. And then, of course, Jonathan Marshall goes off for a sack and a half. So to our listeners and to Michael, I apologize. Um, but I, it was pretty funny when he got a sack. I was like, oh, my God, he is playing. Yeah, you sucked me right in. But but to be fair, Jonathan, the reason that I thought he was going to get those two sacks or a sack was Jonathan Marshall on the or Jonathan Harrison on the Giants, former Jets center. And he didn't play either. So and it was it was. Does that mean reported. he's a starter? <laughs> no, he's a backup. I know, but does um, that why why do they why do they not play him? Is he hurt? He was hurt, so oh, okay. I okay. I didn't realize at that point either. So so we okay. are. So, even, so you didn't but, do your research either. No, I never do research. Yeah. <laughs> not, not. That's just other than Jonathan Harrison. Anything related to Jonathan's, I guess that's that's the moral here. If there's a lineman named Jonathan, we probably didn't do our research. Everything else, though, we're very thorough. But yeah, two half sacks for Marshall Hamilcar Rashad had a sack and a half. So uh, defensive front was outstanding in this game. But we did kind of do our research about John Franklin Myers, who we called breakout season. So I've never heard him go he, by John. He's John, though. He's not John. Okay, that's a different. Um, I thought the other thing, and, you know, this is, uh, I, think that the, I think that a lot of people, and I'm not just saying this because of the preseason game, I just feel like in general that a lot of people are sleeping on the Jets. I don't think that they're going to be, uh, I, I I don't think they'll make the playoffs, but I think they'll be around 500. I think they'll win seven games is what I would say. Um, but when you, when you look at, okay, how can this team get even better for next season? Obviously there's a lot of question marks right now that we're excited about, but they're all question marks between the youth and an experience. Um, but one spot in particular that is going to take this team to the next level is the tight end and the fullback position. Cause you saw this offense looked a lot like Kyle Shanahan, a lot of 12 personnel. They use the fullback West going a lot of plays and the unit right now, isn't anything special. I, I think you're right. Wesco actually did have a few very good reps and he, he he'll be a storyline. I'll be interested to watch because he could carve out, you know, a long-term role here in New York. I mean, if he impresses this year, he'll return next year. Um, but I think the expectations for him are, are kind of low because he's not always been a natural fullback, but I thought he had some very good reps and some that he has to improve on the tight ends. It looked like Ryan Griffin might be even the starting tight end, which isn't great. Croft, like you said, stumbled on that route, but, you know, I think he's probably the Jets' best bet in terms of doing everything okay. Herndon was playing with the third stringers, which isn't very encouraging. And then Yeboah, who is a guy that some people thought could maybe be impressed and Flash could sneak onto the roster. Some people thought he could even start. Brutal fumble. So I think he, you know, he's probably a cut candidate. So anyways, the, the tight ends and the fullbacks are going to need to be revamped uh, next offseason is what I would say. More so the tight ends. Verdict is still out on, on the fullbacks. What did you think of the tight ends? And, and what did you think of the Jets' usage of, of 12 personnel versus 11 personnel? I mean, again, it's preseason, so you can't take too much away. But it is our first real full look on how Mike LaFleur would call a game personnel-wise. Yeah, it really seems like fullback is going to be a big part of it with Wesco in that role, which is interesting because he definitely does have the ability as a blocker, I think he's, he's hit or miss. He's not perfect. He has some whiffs now and then, but I think there's definitely more good than bad on his tape, both the last, both last season uh, and throughout his first two seasons and in this game. But as a receiver, it's just, he doesn't seem to bring that much. I know when he was in college and I even 
did an article on this a few months ago, but he broke a lot of tackles in college, had a lot of yak, and it's it does seem like a potential untapped ability that the Jets should look at more that they didn't the last two years. But just whenever he gets the ball, he is really seems like, you know, it just doesn't have the athleticism to make plays with it, doesn't have natural hands. Um, he just has not looked like a good receiver in the NFL. So it, but there are a lot of concepts where the Jets are running these bootlegs and these rollouts where, you know, the fullback will fake the lead block and then come out with the quarterback into the flat and he's going to get chances to make those plays and he's going to have passes thrown his way. So it's definitely a little bit of a concern that they don't have a better fullback in terms of receiving ability, I think, but in the run game, I think we'll do okay. Yeah. He, I mean, he is a former, I don't, I'm not as worried about Wesco. I mean, we'll give him the whole season. I think at the very least he's going to be okay. I think he's not going to be a nightmare at fullback. I mean, knock on wood, I can totally. Yeah, because like you can work tight, tight ends are more or tight ends are more concerning to me. Yeah, you can work around the fact that like he's not going to get too many targets. Even like probably ten maximum, maximum ten targets. Well, but he is season, a former tight end though. What I'm saying, like he's not just he doesn't have like he's not an amazing pass catcher, but it's he has experience in a you know, a tight end role where he had to be more of a red zone threat and, you know, and wind jump balls and stuff like that. You mentioned the yak stuff. So it's not like he's, you know, I'm trying to think of a good example. He's not like he's John Connor, the former Jets fullback. It's like he has some receiving ability, even if it's not, if it's bad for a tight end, it's mediocre for a fullback. Yeah. So I, I think they could definitely try to next off season, find someone with a little more ability in terms of uh, ball handling for that position. But in terms of the tight ends, I, th- I think it is kind of, it's just kind of be gonna be what we expect it to be. They're gonna play their roles as blockers. Herndon will play his pass blocking role, Croft, and maybe Griffin, it looks like, will be big in the run game. But they won't be heavily involved in the passing game, I wouldn't think, but it's definitely something long term that you want right. to address because it can be such a big plus in this offense where there's such established blocking threats and they line up in line and they down block, and then you can work off a of play action, roll them out, get them touches in the flat, and let them make plays after the catch. There's a lot of opportunities to do that in this offense, and just how many snaps they play, because it looks like they're going to do a lot of 21, a lot of, with two tight ends on the field. So there, there's a lot of potential for tight ends in this offense, and obviously with the way the Jets are built, you don't necessarily want to lean targets towards Tyler Croft and Chris Herndon when those could go to Elijah Moore, Corey Davis, Keelan Cole, Mims, Crowder, when you have five, maybe six, if you include Barrios, wide receivers, even seven, maybe, if you include Vincent Smith, that are probably better at wide receiver than your tight ends are in terms of yeah. pass catching. So it does. I don't think they're going to be too involved, but they are going to be important. Their blocking is going to matter quite a bit. So um, I think we'll see. It looks like Griffin is going to be pretty involved, so I think we'll see a nice rotation between him, Herndon, uh, and Tyler Croft. And Yeboa, like you said, probably – not that one play puts you out of the mix, but when you are in the bubble like that, you just can't have those big mistakes like the fumble that Yaboa had. So he does seem like a yeah, pretty long, pretty big long shot. This you point. know maybe a practice squad guy. I think I've yeah. I've absolutely you and I both absolutely loved everything that the Jets have done this offseason from Robert Sala on. Um, I think the one thing that I would have loved for them to do, and I think they were actually in on him, and then maybe the price got too rich. Joe Douglas drew his line in the sand, but I would have loved John U. Smith, who we talked a lot about, who was great in Arthur Smith's offense and would have been a perfect fit here. Obviously, he's in New England now. Um, 
again, the Jets aren't a win now team. So they need to, they didn't need to fill every single hole. Um, but I think he's a great young player and that's the type of fullback the Jets are going to be looking for versatile guys. But look, you know, we've been waiting for the Herndon breakout since 2018, but he's still on the roster. There's still 17 weeks for him plus preseason to, to put a stamp, uh, you know, uh, you know, on this roster and really make an impact. Like you said, I think Griffin and Croft will seem to be the first and second stringers. So we'll see what the Jets, how the Jets look at tight end. But I think that's going to be the biggest weakness of their offense is that this offense is even deadlier. If you really have threats at tight end where the defense has to pay attention to, like the 49ers do with George Kittle, you don't want to have, you know, one-on-one matchup with the linebacker on George Kittle. You just don't. And against Ryan Griffin, you could probably leave your linebacker on him. So that's the difference there. Um, I thought defensively, one of the things that stood out to me was just how fast the Jets look, which I don't think I've really ever said about the Jets. I mean, even going back to good Jets teams with Bart Scott and David Harris and Calvin Pace and Brian Thomas, uh, and then even some like bad Jets teams like last year where you're watching Henry Anderson and Neville Hewitt and, you know, fine players in their own right. But this Jets team is probably the fastest that I've seen. Uh, it's that all gas, no break mantra really, um, you know, he put his money where his mouth is, especially with, with Nazaldine and Sherwood, when they came in the two safeties that they've converted to linebacker. I mean, they just added a ton of speed at that position. Mosley didn't show any rust at all, which was a bit of a concern. I'm glad he played and was healthy and, you know, had a pass deflection on the first play, got in on a few tackles. I mean, he looked good. Um, just the team speed as a whole um, from the, def- you know, from the defensive line, obviously getting after the, the, the quarterback, but, more so the linebackers in the secondary. I mean, everybody just looks like they're flying around the football. Um, this defense, you know, one preseason game, Mike Lennon's not, nothing special, but defense looks fast. Yeah, the linebackers, the young linebackers definitely looked good in this game, but specifically Mosley, who started the game off, and he was having that um, Bill season opener type of pace to start the game. He had a pass deflection, he had a run stuff, then he had a short pass that he tackled, uh, short of the first down marker. So he was just dominating to start the game. And it's great to see. He just shows up these pass deflections. Every practice you hear a report of him breaking up a pass. Um, at the green and white scrimmage, he came right out and did it on one of the first few plays. And then he comes out in the preseason, does it on the first play of the game. It There's just too much consistency with how good he's been to think that he's not going to have a huge season this year, especially in coverage. So that speed really seemed the the weight the lost weight seems to really be benefiting him having that more swiftness to complement uh his already good instincts is just making him really dangerous um then the young linebackers they really look nice in this game by sure fumble there yeah there's also that um but i think sherwood looked good and he dropped back had a pass deflection um hamza forced a fumble and for the most part they you know, played their roles pretty well. There weren't too many huge mistakes in terms of where they should be. There were a couple. Um, Nazaruddin had this one play where the Giants ran an end around, and he kind of bit on the motion a little bit too much, gave up the edge. Bryce Huff also gave that up. Um, Sherwood had a few bad angles in the run game later on, but for the most part, Sherwood did have some run stuff too, and they both tackled really well. So for their first game, um, transitioning to linebacker, they definitely both got uh, positive grades in this game. Yeah, I think, I mean, I know Nazaldine maybe got the official force fumble, but Sherwood was in on that too. So that was cool to see both of the the young linebackers in on that fumble. 
Um, I, I think, like you said, I mean, Mosley looked good uh, and, and limited action. I thought Carl Lawson, we've heard a lot about, only played three plays. One of them was a run play away from him. And the two other ones, you know, he, you know, he moved, he, he made some sort of pressure. I mean, I don't know if it counts as pressures in the stats sheet, but he, you know, he looks good. He, you definitely saw the, the, the versatility of the pass rush moves that he has in, in different counters and, and whatnot. He's going to, he should be a nightmare all season long. And I thought Bryce Huff on the other side of him, I think he's definitely earned his, his spot as a third down pass rushing specialist. I think Vinny Curry, like, I think you put this in one of your articles, might not have a spot when he comes back. And I think Huff is really going to be a big part of this, this wide nine scheme that the jets are running, but overall through the linebackers and the secondary with the young corners, which has been, which is supposedly going to be the jets Achilles heel this year. I thought the corners looked good. Brandon Eccles had a really nice play on the ball on a deep ball. Corey Ballantyne also had a nice play on a deep ball, though he did give up a touchdown where he looked, he looked like a 40 year old dad at a flag football game. He just looked gas <laughs> at that point. Um, but I thought uh, as a whole, the secondary looked pretty good. Um, any last thoughts on the defense before we move? We have, we have a, one more segment before we get out of here, but any last thoughts on the all gas, no break defense? Yeah, I thought the secondary played good and, and same thing applies here. You know, you're playing not the best competition, but also this isn't necessarily supposed to be the best competition for the other side, all the jets rookie cornerback. So I think it was even, but you know, they came through and played really well, kind of continuing the trend we've seen throughout training camp that, these young corners and just the secondary as a whole hasn't been as much of a liability as we thought it was going to be. And they came out in this game and played well. Um, Gidry had a great pass deflection in the slot. Um, Eccles had a great one on a deep post route. And then for the most part, all these young corners play a lot of snaps and they didn't give up catches, you know? So even though you're not um, only a couple guys stand out with the big plays, it's it's just as good to be covering well enough to where you're not getting targeted and you don't get the chance to make big plays because you know your coverage is so good that the ball is not coming your way um there were a few guys who checked that box um bless austin in this game to his credit seven snaps and coverage no targets so he escaped clean for one drive just for a couple drives so credit to him for that um pinnock came in late in this game 11 coverage snaps no targets Carter, 11 snaps, one target, which was incomplete. So a few guys were quietly good in addition to the ones right. uh, who made plays. Uh, Ballantyne obviously had the two pass deflections, but he did give up the touchdown and he had penalty as well. So mixed bag for him. But other than that, the, the key guys, you know, the three rookies, Carter the second, Eccles and Pinnock, they, they did about as well as you could ask for them to do. Yeah, Ballantyne coupled with his re- return skills, I think he – with the, uh, I think he's probably a practice squad guy. I don't think he makes the 53, yeah. but uh, maybe you got to try to stash there. Uh, oh, one more thing. The special teams forgot. Can't forget about them. I thought Braid Mann, in my opinion, had the best game he's had of his career. Yeah. Uh, I know you, you, you placed it second when we talked about this. You thought the punts were a little too uh, straightforward line drives, not enough hang time, but did a good job pinning him deep. I thought he displayed that leg we were talking about, which he didn't really see at the green and white scrimmage, which he apparently struggled with. Chris, the kicker, really bad. Uh, I would say, especially that, I mean, only on that 53 yard field goal. I mean, that in itself, unless it got tipped or blocked or something, I mean, you can't roll into week one with that guy as your kicker. I thought Amendola and his one extra point looked all right, but we'll see. But, you know, I, I would imagine Amendola probably gets the start at kicker next week and they give him the majority of the game. Um, I still think, unless Amendola looks really good, I think they probably end up adding somebody, Borogales from Tampa Bay, is the guy to keep an eye out for. But um, before we move to our last segment, your thoughts on the special teams unit? 
Yeah, Braden Man played good, and it was positive to, uh, to see because I saw him in person at Green and White, and he was frankly quite bad. But so to see him come back out at MetLife and play, like you said, probably I would say his week five game against the Cardinals, an instant classic. Turn on the tape. Everyone should remember <laughs> that game. Like who doesn't remember? Yeah, he got Braden quite Man's? the work. He got quite the workload in that game. Yeah, who doesn't remember Braden Man against the Cardinals? It's like Michael Jordan's flu game. It's right up there. It's one of the classic performances. But I mean, it was definitely good. He put up, um, he had a couple of good distance punts at 58 and 53, I believe. Those ones weren't had, you know, weren't perfect because they were kind of line drive. There wasn't a lot of hang time. So there was 31 return yards between those two punts, which I believe one of them was not covered too well. There were some missed tackles. So that's not on him. But either way, you do want to, the farther you're kicking the ball, you need to have hang time with it, or you're just going to give back those yards through returns. So those were a little bit of line drive. So those weren't perfect, but still a couple of 50 plus yarders, uh, still pretty good. But it was more so the precision punts like on the giant side of the field that were impressive. He put three of them inside of the 20. Um, he put one of the 13, had a fair catch at the six. And obviously Vincent Smith with a fantastic play diving into the end zone uh, and then tossing the ball out of bounds near the pylon, um, which is a great play by the special teams guy. Fantastic play by Smith, but you know, man still gave him a chance by dropping it in there with some touch. And it's something that he didn't do a lot of last year. So to see him drop two inside the six yard line was definitely impressive. So this would, it has an argument to be the best game of his career. I think Cardinals last year was better. He had some good punts in that game, but um, right, it, right. this was a pause. This is a positive step up. Then kickers, um, Chris Nagar is just, he's, he's not good. I, I saw immediately the green white scrimmage and he was kicking, just warming up. It's like, there's, there's no pop on these guys kicks. Even the ones he was making were, you know, the bottom half of the upright, barely going over the crossbar. And so this kick he missed in this game, even though it was a 53 yarder, which is tough. It's there's one thing missing it is one thing, but missing it like that, where it doesn't have the distance or the accuracy is, is another thing. So um amandola has a huge leg up but like you said we'll see if he actually wins a battle or if they add someone else yeah i don't doubt i was uh, not to rush you there i just feel like i asked you the question but any conversation about the punting game is about two minutes too long there but um uh, (laughs) i agree with you i think uh, i think the other thing also uh outside of that i thought denzel mims was interesting he got some reps with the, the special teams we're about to talk about him in a minute um but he's an interesting candidate there if he's not getting any snaps uh, at wide receiver, he's a great blocker. He's athletic. I thought uh, all the coverage teams uh, did really well. I thought this was was a really good start for the Jets. It was probably the biggest blowout 12-7 to 7 win I've ever seen. I never seemed like the Giants were really in it. Jets dominated that game. A um, lot to improve, but I still thought um, – I don't think it could have gone much better. I mean, obviously, we would have loved a, a deep bomb from Zach Wilson or something like that, but – uh, as a whole, I'm, I'm very satisfied with how that game went, and we'll see how it looks when they ramp things up against Green Bay. The last segment on our show, and we were going to do a studs and duds, but honestly, there were so many studs in this game, and it was just where do you draw the line? And so we thought what would be interesting is, you know, who is either from this game at the moment, because things can change, earn their way onto the roster or earn their way up the depth chart versus who has maybe lost their spot on the roster or is probably not going to to make the roster because of their poor performance we, we're going to call this earning their shoulder stripes love that like that michael yeah i call Speaking, them the wings i don't know why they're not the them. wings they're a contrail they're wings no they're they're a contrail what wings do you see that are facing each other michael 
their contrail. It doesn't matter. They're shaped like wings. Yeah. So. Well, I guess they kind of look like wings, but they're contrail. But uh, hey, uh, speaking of which, uniforms look incredibly clean with Zach Wilson. We've been saying this. I, I yep. even think Zach Wilson might make me like the green on green just because the baggy jersey that Darnold was wearing, the, the 14, because the one d- didn't take up enough space. So it was uh, not you know centered. He had the baggy sleeves. So then the, the contrail looked weird. It was like the plane was crashing into the ground because it was like <laughs> sloped and then down. And then the New York would get all squiggly. It just it looked like a, to be honest, Darnold looked terrible in the uniforms. And they wore black cleats. Zach Wilson's got an incredible amount of drip. Let's just, I mean, the headband, incredible white shoes the number two looks clean i don't know why there was a lot of number two slander i thought yeah i mean this is a side note but i thought the uniforms looked great last night and they wore the green socks michael there's last year they wore white on green with white socks the year before that's white green and green so these are the riveting storylines that we uh we want to get to but uniforms look great last night um yep they did as far as they're earning their shoulder stripe goes i think we can start with bryce huff and i'll throw two of them in their same position bryce huff and this one's a bit of a surprise. Hamilcar Rashid. I think, you know, when you look at how deep this Jets defensive line is, well, they're going to have to make some tough decisions this year. I mean, they haven't really had to make tough decisions in the past. I think they're going to have to let go of a few good players or at least a few developmentally promising players or maybe players that they invested in. I think Bryce Huff's a no-brainer. He's obviously making it. He might even be a starter at this point, or at the very least, starter on third downs. So we don't really have to talk much about him. But Hamilcar Rashid had a great game. Obviously things can change. He has to, if he balls out against the Packers, like he did in this game, I think they keep him. And I think maybe they cut Zaniga. I mean, although they invested a third round pick, it's a different coaching staff. It's hard to find a role for him. He really just doesn't flash at all. Uh, you know, you want to be patient with him. I still think, I think they cut him and try to stash him on the practice squad because in order for them not to, somebody has to sign him to their active roster. And maybe there's a team that loved him in the pre-draft process or something, but if you're just going to put right now the best 53 guys, Zanika's not on that list. Let's be honest about it. And how many, there's so many different, there's a lot of, of really tough decisions they're going to have to make. And you can only keep a certain amount of, okay, this guy's a developmental project. Like Cameron Clark's an example of that, where you probably, maybe he'll play a little bit this year, but he's a guy you're developing. I don't think you can keep him and Zuniga and James Morgan. You can't just keep keeping all these guys because you drafted them. It's a different coaching staff. I think Zuniga might be the first Joe Douglas draft pick to go um, because Hamilcar Rashad looked really good. Yeah, I agree. And, and I guess we can talk about uh, Zuniga here as one of the guys who lost their shoulder wings. But Contrail, contrail, come on. All right, contrail. But yeah, Zuniga in this game is, I mean, he... I, I guess he was bad. Like you have people don't really call edge rushers bad because they don't really make mistakes, but it's just, you know, the, if the reps pile up and you're not making any good plays, then you are playing bad. And in this game, he had zero pressures, he had zero run stops and he missed a tackle. So, and he played, he didn't play a lot. He had nine pass rush snaps and uh, I think only three against the run. But he just doesn't he create any He push. didn't do anything. He, is, he doesn't do anything. And he didn't do anything last year. He had one pressure in eight games. Um, we know he's a great athlete. It's just the, the skill isn't there. Just the hands, the ability to get leverage, to get underneath the guy's pads and push him back. There's just nothing there that we've seen. So uh, it, it would be warranted at this point. If, if he doesn't do anything in the next two games, then it definitely would be warranted if they went with Hamilcar over him because Hamilcar is flashing and he's literally not even it's, complete fact in this game he did more than Zuniga has done and this is now nine appearances as a jet 
So, and, and that's barely over half season. So it is a little bit early, but this is, this is a stacked defensive line. You're going to have to make these tough decisions. Are you going to, like you said, continue to bank on a guy who's a project when you could have, when you have other guys who are producing more uh, it's, it's a decision you have to make. And if this weren't as deep of a group, you know, you could have that bias towards one of your own draft picks, just develop them, keep them around, give them more time, but they have tough decisions to make because they have so many guys who are flashing and playing well. So it's tough for these guys with the draft pedigree advantage to actually play off of that advantage and make the roster when they're not doing anything. So Zuniga has been very quiet and needs to do something soon. Yeah. And he, it, by the way, yesterday was his, or Saturday was his birthday. So he turned 24 years old. Um, so it's, you know, and Hamilcar is 23. So it's, they're both young players. So you get a little older. Uh, I get that you don't want to have a, uh, to lose an investment, but he's a bit of a sunk cost in the sense that you don't want to keep him in hopes that maybe someday he pops when you have a guy like Hamilcar who has been popping throughout training camp and on, on, you know, on Saturday, uh, another guy and look, this could all change and maybe they do keep him. I think, I think he gets cut and stashed in the practice squad. I think he makes it to the practice squad, but another guy who may have earned his way into the roster and could bounce somebody off the roster who probably deserves to make it. I think Vincent Smith, there's a very good chance he makes the roster. I mean, he was getting reps with the ones. He was certainly ahead of Denzel Mims in the depth chart. I think the coaching staff loves the skill set he brings. Uh, we know Joe Douglas loves him. I think he was one of the, he was one of the first players that Joe Douglas ever brought in. Um, made a couple of nice plays tonight or Saturday. I don't know why I said tonight. Uh, I think, you know, the, the problem with him and I, Connor Hughes has been having him in his 53 man roster predictions, but he's having the jets keep seven receivers. And I, I don't know if I see the jets keeping seven, I think they probably keep six. So if they're going to keep Vincent Smith, then I think, I think Denzel Mims is going to, no, I'm just kidding. I think Braxton Berrios is gone in that case. And there's no way they're cutting Denzel Mims. Um, I think, I could see them valuing Vincent Smith and cutting Barrios and look, they even had Keelan Cole returning punts, although Barrios was hurt, but Cole at least showed he could do, you know, fulfill the role. Barrios is very strictly a slot receiver. He's a guy who flashed all of OTAs in mini camp. He's made a few plays in training camp. We haven't heard him and now he's injured. I don't know. I think, I mean, unless the Jets are going to keep seven receivers, Vincent Smith is, is certainly flashing and getting reps with the ones. Yeah, he's a guy to keep an eye on. And I think there's an aspect of his game that makes him a good fit in this offense. And it's that uh, ability to be a threat as on an end arounds, things like that. Because we saw that in 2019, he scored uh, the one touchdown against the Eagles on that sort of play. And I, I believe he had two other big gains on end around handoffs in 2019. So that's something that he, he brings to the table. He has good straight line speed and that's useful in this offense. So he could be deployed in that sort of role. And obviously he's been on the field early. He was playing with uh, in the first quarter in this game with Zach Wilson. So um, he definitely has a chance. And the fact that he can return kickoffs is a plus because uh, Corey Ballantyne is probably the, um, in addition to Smith, the most experienced and best option at kickoff returner on this team. And he's probably not making it because of how deep cornerback is. And it's going to be hard for him to beat out all those rookies and draft picks. So that would leave Vincent Smith as the best kickoff return option. So uh, he could make it. Um, that's a big part of how he can make the team as well. So Vincent Smith, for sure, I think could make the team, but it will be interesting to see if they go seven, keep both these guys. Barrios has another pure slot guy in addition to Crowder. Um, and, and you have Elijah Moore and Keelan Cole can play slot, but Barrios kind of brings that uh, similar body type to Crowder, smaller guy who could and more smaller guy who you could feature on screens. 
I mean, he made some plays and limited opportunities last year. He's been solid as a punt returner. So will they go seven, keep both those guys, or will it be one or the other? That will be interesting to watch. Yeah, most of us assumed Barrios was going to be gone when Moore got taken. It was then just Barrios dominated all of OTAs in minicamp. And look, you know, he has made plays when he's been in. I, I actually think Barrios is a good player. I'm pretty high on him. Um, I mean, as high as you can be on Braxton Barrios, I think he'll get cut and he'll sign probably with New England somewhere else. He, he'll play meaningful snaps. He'll be a slot receiver somewhere else, and he's going to have success. I mean, that's just the way that this, this business goes. I don't know who I would choose in terms of them. I think Vincent Smith gives you more flexibility and versatility, and if they like him, I could just see – I could see it happening. We'll see. Or maybe they keep seven, but then they're going to have to make a tough cut somewhere else. Um, the other guy who certainly earned their shoulder stripe, and I don't think his roster spot was ever in jeopardy, um, but I think he proved that he definitely deserves more reps with at least the twos uh, if not the ones, Denzel Mims, who had the play of the night carrying, you know, the entire Giants defense on his back, fighting for 18 yards and getting the first down, you know, dispelling the the myth that he's not a, a good yak receiver. Michael, you had a great article on this earlier in the summer that he actually is, in fact, a great yards after catch receiver. And that would make him a good fitness offense. In addition to all the jump ball possession stuff that he brings you, you know, the, it did come out this week that it was food poisoning uh, with Denzel Mims that he dropped 20 pounds. It, reportedly salmon reportedly from the jets facility, which isn't a good look. Although I don't think anybody else got food poisoning. So maybe you just got a bad fish, but you know, I'd love to see, I, I, he's playing right now at two Oh eight. Apparently he was two seventeen when he ate the salmon and then he dropped to one ninety seven last year. I think he's listed at two Oh seven. So he's basically the way he was at last year. It seems it's interesting to me that he was at two seventeen. Maybe the jets wanted to bulk up a little bit more, be more of a Corey Davis or a, you know, these are obviously not direct comparisons, but an AJ Brown or a DK Matt, you know, a bigger receiver to fit his physical uh, style of play. Um, but I mean, damn, at 208 pounds, he's certainly still a physical player. That play, um, in my eyes, uh, showed that he definitely deserves reps with the ones. What did you think of Denzel Mims' performance and uh, silencing all the haters? Yeah, he definitely made the most of the opportunities he got. Um, I really like the fact that. Um, he revealed after the game that him playing on special teams was his own call that, that he was on the special teams depth chart, but like third team special teams. And he wanted them to push him up so he can get an opportunity. And he, he actually looks pretty good in special teams, but obviously that's not what they drafted Denzel Mims to do. Um, and he, but he made the most of his plays in this game. The, that play was, that was incredible. That was definitely the best, I would say the best individual effort on the team in this game. Um, it was oh, definitely Corey Ballantyne on that allowed touchdown is a close second, <laughs> a, a close, close second, very, very close, but th- that was just a great effort. And it's, it's not really anything new. I think that's the biggest thing about it. It's not like it's, you know, Oh, look, he can do yak all of a sudden, like he made a lot of plays, obviously not as good as that one, but the first part of that play where he catches the ball and then kind of, you know, cuts it back, brings it around, you know, loses a few yards so he can gain a few. He did that a couple times last year and had success with it uh, in the Dolphins game, the Patriots game, uh, the Monday night one. Um, so the, the plays like that, he, he made quite a few of them last year. So it was good to just see him come out and do it on the big stage while some people were doubting whether he could make that kind of play. And even the one before that where he caught the ball on a quick out and then turns it up the field, lowers his shoulder, trucks the corner, past the first down marker. So we saw two great yak plays from him in this game. He ended up with 51 yards to lead the game. 30 of them were after the catch. 
uh, across his three catches on four targets. So he was efficient, gained yards after the catch, and showed he could be the type of receiver that can play in this offense. And, and it was three catches, but he made the most of it. And I did fo- spend part of the game focusing on his releases off the line, which, you know, you can't see the whole route on TV, but you can at least see his release off the line. He had some good releases. He was defeating the hands of the corner, swatting them away and getting them um, to the point where he had the leverage to where he can make the break he's trying to make, whether it was an in-breaking route or an out-breaking route. He had a couple of good routes, even where he wasn't targeted. So on-field performance for Mims in this game uh, was was pretty good. So we'll see how uh, the depth chart uh, changes as a result of it. Yeah, another guy, another, you know, sub one in, sub one out. As far as earning their shoulder stripe, Mike White. As far as losing theirs, James Morgan. I don't think James Morgan gets cut. I mean, same thing with Jabari Zuniga, the whole developmental issue. I think it's different with the quarterback. They invested a fourth-round pick in. I think Morgan probably stays on the team. I mean, how many teams would sign James Morgan to their active roster, though? That That is a fair question. They probably could sneak him on the practice squad. I don't think there's many teams that would cut their back up in order to sign him. So maybe James Morgan does get the ax. Um, and gets brought back as the, as the practice squad quarterback. Mike White, I mean, look, none of these quarterbacks are special. If J- Zach Wilson goes down, the Jets are certainly in trouble, but I think it wouldn't be as much of a shit show with Mike White. I thought at times he looked in control. He missed a few throws, you know, wasn't amazing, but I thought he he had showed good control of the offense. So I thought Mike White made a case that, hey, I'm QB number two around here. Um, and I think before, heading into this game, I thought that Mike White was a lock to get cut because I just figured either you're not going to keep – him and Morgan, you probably keep Morgan. If you're going to go three quarterbacks, you're going to have a veteran, a real veteran, not Mike White. But um, although I guess Mike White is now in his third season, Michael, so maybe he is a veteran. Um, eh. But I, I guess I with, with I, no regular season games. You're right. It's a little different with no regular season games. But I thought Mike White looked out of the two much better. Yeah, I definitely agree. He was there was pretty much nothing special about what he did, but he he was in good command of the offense. Um, and, that, and that's, I think, the most you want out of your backup, especially in an offense like this one. Just hit those throws in the flat that at the time you're supposed to hit them. Just hit those quick outs. Don't don't make mistakes. And I think for the most part, he did that. And he wasn't great. He, he did, have, did have a couple of misses, but he was he's better than Morgan, who had some easy throws that he missed on. Even ones that were completed. There was one he threw in the flat that was too high and cost the receiver some yak. There was one he threw to Ryan Griffin where it was out too early. It was too hot, too high, and Griffin couldn't come up with it. So it, it was his first NFL game, so you cut him some slack for that. But um, he, de- he definitely looked very erratic in this one, whereas White was the steadier presence, which, which you would expect, but also White has previously struggled in the preseason. He's played a lot, eight preseason games, and mostly struggled with the Cowboys. So he took a step forward in this one, and maybe he's making some improvement in his fourth NFL season. So uh, White definitely took a step forward. Hey, I mean, hey, James Morgan is going to be in his hometown. He's going to be going up against his childhood team. I would imagine a lot of his friends and family are going to be at this Packers um, preseason game. So maybe he balls out and, and wins back that number two spot. But for right now, Mike White's certainly ahead of him. Uh, a few more here. Uh, we'll combine them. I thought Jonathan Marshall and Michael Dwumfor, two guys. I mean, Marshall is a drafted rookie, so you'd imagine he'd make the team. Dwumfor was pretty much an afterthought, more of a practice squad guy. I still think I – don't, I don't think there's space for him on the roster, um, but both guys had great games. Uh, I, I certainly think they – Dwumfor at least earned a spot on the practice squad, and Marshall, um, you know, 
solidified his spot on on the uh, on the active roster. And hell, maybe maybe he pushes for some reps. Maybe he can be on the active game day roster. But for right now, we'll just keep him on the fifty three. Um, and then the last stud, we have a few duds to get through. Um, Javelin Gidry had a, a you know continued a strong camp, and it seems like at the beginning of camp, Michael Carter II was the incumbent slot corner, and it seems like not really that Carter II lost the role, but more that Gidry just took it from him. Gidry's had a really good camp, and, uh, and that continued on Saturday. Yeah, the pass deflection that he made just used his inside hand, punched right in between the two hands of the receiver, knocked the ball out. That was a really good play by him, and He's made a lot of plays, and it, or at least according to the reports, has made a lot of plays in camp recently. Uh, Carter II hasn't gotten as, as much buzz, which is usually a good thing for a cornerback like we talked about. You don't have to be making plays at corner to be playing well, uh, which Carter II did in this game, like I mentioned earlier. Um, covered on 11 snaps, one target, no catches. But Gidry in this one, same exact line pretty much, seven snaps in coverage. Just had that one target, and he deflected it, so – Gidry has continued to build some momentum as he tries to win that slot corner role. Um, it def- and I think it makes the most sense. He is more experienced. He played last year, played pretty well. Um, and, and, you know, it, it makes sense to allow them to compete because he's fairly inexperienced himself. But um, I, I think Gidry played well last season, deserves to win this role, and he uh, seems to be on the way to proving that he does deserve it and Carter the second can focus on special teams whereas at his very good speed can make an impact uh, and he can be a versatile backup who can play different roles even has some safety experience uh, could be valuable valuable in that way to start out but obviously there still is some more time to for that to play out and then there's a few guys who lost their shoulder stripe we'll start with Dan Feeney I thought he was the worst uh, or I thought he had the worst game out of all these guys for the Jets I mean I, I you know the exact I think it was nine total pressures he gave up last night is that the, is that correct i saw i, I saw think it, i don't think i don't think it was that many but maybe not it, nine it, pressures that maybe nine missed blocks or so i saw i know it was nine nine something like that i mean you're you're the analytics nerd here not me um but obviously you could just we we know that dan feeney had a pretty terrible game uh in general probably the worst offensive lineman that was out there you know maybe a guy like Corey levin steals his spot it seems like feeney given that he was not like a huge free agent deal but he was given a good amount of guaranteed money seems like he was going to be a lock to make the team. Maybe he still is. Seems like a good locker room guy, obviously at the Rangers games, crushing cans and whatnot. But I think, you know, I'd be more comfortable with Corey Levin in there. I'd love to see Cam Clark in one of these preseason games, but Feeney was, was, you know, pretty awful in this game. Yeah. He was dismissing one block after the next. Um, and I, I'm not sure of the exact numbers, but definitely when we were watching it, it was just time, time again, if a play didn't, uh, didn't work out. Feeney was a big part of it. And he played a lot in this game. He played 31 snaps uh, in pass protection, which was the most on the entire team. So he got a lot of reps even beyond just the first team. And it didn't matter what unit he was playing with, he was still pretty bad. So um, the depth of this offensive line ha- is now a plus at tackle with either Mo- uh, Moses or Fant being the backup there. Um, but on that interior, still have some question marks with that depth. I know Feeney was a starter the past few years, but I don't know. If, if he's playing for you, I don't necessarily consider him better than most other backups in the league. He just consistently struggles, consistently struggled with the Chargers the past few years more than pretty much any starter. He gave up the most pressures among interior linemen over the past two years. Um, and we saw some of that tonight. So one, once AVT gets back, it's going to be 
so much fun to watch him and Becton work together because we were watching plays where it was like, you know, if Feeney could have just, or the left card could have just hit that block, maybe things would play out differently like that fourth and one that they didn't convert. Um, and, you know, Becton was playing really well in this game. He was getting out to the second level, pinning linebackers and on the edge, he was kicking guys out. And then Feeney just wasn't cutting it at left guard. He had, he had a couple nice plays, but for the most part, had a lot of misses. And, you know, you're just thinking if Elijah Vera Tucker can be there, a guy who is just a great technician, has a high floor coming into the league. It's hard to picture him being really bad. Maybe he doesn't come in right away and, you know, flatten people and become a dominant player, but he should be really consistent. And if he can just do that and you backed in next to him and you have McGovern to his right, who blocked well in this game and is a talented athletic guy, then there, there's a lot of potential with that offensive line with Vera Tucker in there. Yeah. The other guy who uh, definitely lost his place in the roster, even though I don't think he really had a chance though. He's made some plays in training camp, Austin Walter, the running back had a few rough plays in there. Um, you know, maybe he can stick at the practice squad, but obviously he had the one play where he slipped, got up and fumbled. He had another one where he caught a pass from James Morgan slipped originally didn't pick up the first, but the second effort after you Rob Sala challenge showed he got the first, um, pretty rough game from him. Another young offensive player, Kenny Abo, who we talked about earlier, had a fumble. So two guys there who probably best case scenario for them now is to make the practice squad. Yeah, it was. It, it, you feel bad watching it because obviously these guys are so talented for them to even be in this position. And just to see, like, you know, immediately as soon as Walter slipped and then fumbled that uh, fumbled that ball that any small, small chance he might have had of even making the practice squad maybe just evaporated right there. So it's tough to watch, but that's that's just what the NFL is. When you're in that position, you can't make any mistakes. You got to be flawless to put yourself in that position. And both both of those guys made big mistakes in this game that give them a pretty much insurmountable climb over the next couple of games to make this roster or even the practice squad. And I, that's going to do it for our earned and lost shoulder stripes, uh, shoulder contrails, I guess I should say. Ah, um, you went stripes. Well, that's, I mean, earn your stripes. That was the pun came. But um, overall, Michael, I was very happy with how this game turned out. Yeah. Um, I think next week is a much bigger test. I'm really excited to see those joint practices. It's almost like three different games for the Jets against a very good team, a better team than the, uh, than the Giants, a team that will most likely be playing their starters. We'll get to see Becton Moses in practice at least go up against the Smith brothers, hopefully against the game, uh, hopefully in the game. Uh, you'll see Zach Wilson face a you know more pressure. Maybe the Jets give him a little longer of a leash, let him go through more progressions, let him roll it out a little bit more, or you know less designed rollouts, more creating something out of nothing. But I like their I like their their game plan for him in, in game one, and they should probably con- continue that throughout his rookie season. But I'd like to see a little bit more Zach Wilson magic as as with every week as he gets more reps under his belt. Um, but I don't think this game could have gone much better. I mean, just a completely different vibe with, uh, with Robert Sala running the stands before the game. And just the, he looks like a head coach in the sidelines is, which is, you know, go back to two years ago, Michael, when we were first starting this podcast and we were talking about Adam Gase, you know, smelling, doing smelling salts on the sideline and how we, um, that fired us up, but that, no, it didn't. I mean, we were like, this is a certified maniac. The jets actually have a legitimate <laughs> head coach, somebody that, you know, you yourself, and you can understand why players would want to sit in front of, would want to listen to. I loved his message after after the game, which is go home, sit in a dark room, and watch your tape, and and you know, see what you get from it. Um, so yeah, I mean, 
like you said, Michael, I mean, they checked the box. Step one for this Jets team is accomplished. They got a lot more to go. This is far from a uh, victory lap, but I thought step one. All right. We could check that box. We can move on to the Packers week. And then obviously I don't know how they'll handle all the preseason reps, but this might be the dress rehearsal. Maybe the Eagles game. I don't know how many reps the starters will get in that. Maybe they do ramp it up like a usual preseason game. And this is a half for Zach Wilson and the Eagles game is a full, you know, three quarters or whatever, or maybe this is the practice run for Zach. He gets a first half and then the third game is all backups. Who knows how they'll manage this, but this is certainly going to be a big game and a heavy game um, for all the starters. And obviously those joint practices, as we were saying, um, they'll be using regular season concepts. I remember this time, Michael, um, there you go throughout practice. So really excited about all this. Um, you can follow us at CYJ pod on Twitter. You can follow myself at Ben W. Blessington, Michael at Michael underscore Nania JetsXFactor.com for the best jets content out there. Please rate review, subscribe on iTunes helps the pod out a lot. Michael, any last words before we get out of here? I, I do just want to talk about the Robert Sala quote that you mentioned where he talked, there's just a video of him talking to the locker room after the game and it's this position where coaches always say, you know, the same exact quote, just in a different way, like great job, keep working hard, keep grinding, just whatever, all the same exact stuff you hear all the time. And I feel like that's just, just, it's just talk. It's pointless and players don't really get anything out of it. But what Salah said, like you said, he said, go home, watch your tape and tell yourself what that says about you, how you can get better, something along those lines. But no, he said, just only go home, watch your tape, and get better from it. That's something that a player can actually listen to and be like, you know what, I'm going to go do that. And some players might not have been planning to do that, might have been planning to take their off day to be off and just take a rest, but maybe that changes their mind a little bit. I just feel like that is a microcosm of his advanced thinking in terms of just philosophically how he's a leader. And it's, it's just something that is more impactful and I think is – you know, play, something that players can listen to that's applicable, something that they could actually take and use instead of just the same cliches that don't mean anything. So I really like that aspect of them. 100%. Everybody, all Jets fans, enjoy a victory Monday. We'll be back on, I actually think we'll be back on Friday this week. We'll go back to the Thursday schedules in the future, but we'll be back on Friday this week previewing the Packers game. Um, obviously, a lot, to, a lot of fun stuff to talk about there. We'll be talking about the joint practices, but everybody enjoy victory Monday. A great first step for Robert Sala and company. Have a great week. Go Jets.